sermon has to be finished by half past ten. Probably uh, the communion as well. So what I'd like to do is to preach on just one word. Does that seem reasonable? The answer is yes. Let's begin then. So here we are on a Christmas morning, and the verse which leads us to the word is 1 John, uh, John chapter 1, verse 14. The word became flesh and made his dwelling among us. And that's the picture. Familiar words. And actually, that verse tells us quite a bit. But just occasionally, there's a lot more meaning in the original language than the English can convey. And so I'd like to tell you a little bit about the one word which is translated here in the NRV, made his dwelling amongst us. Because that is only half the story. The word, as you probably know from your Sunday school days in Aldridge, I, I gather you take scripture seriously here, is that right? So you do Greek before lunch and Hebrew after. Um, the word is skene, and that word is the word for tent. So the literal Greek, if I translate the Greek for you, it is the word, the logos became sarx, became flesh, and eskene amongst us. So it will come up here. The word became flesh and pitched his tent among us. And it's that one Greek word, pitched his tent, I'd like us to think about this morning. I don't know whether you're a camper. Right. <laughs> Thank you. There may be some here who really love camping. Yes. These, are, yeah, English Christians. <laughs> well, the whole idea of getting into a tent. I mean, we went to New Wine and we took some friends, well, we were at the church group. And it was very interesting. Some people in the congregation said, we love the talks at New Wine, but we just cannot stand the camping. And so the associations of camping are things like leaking tents and coldness and the thing blowing out and you can't cook uh, your breakfast and you're all running late. And now, You've never known that, I'm sure. So this word, to pitch the tent, is actually really, really important. And there are three reasons why I suggest it's important. The first is this. The word became flesh and pitched his tent among us, and we beheld his glory. Now, as you know, glory is the way, when people couldn't talk directly about God, they took talk in, a, in an elliptical way, a respectful way, and glory means the presence of God, but you don't name God out of respect. So when the word Jesus comes and becomes human, that tent and is where people see the glory. They see God has come. And in the Old Testament, that's exactly what happened. When the children of Israel had been delivered, they crossed over the Red Sea. They had then gone to Sinai and were given the Ten Commandments. And they were then on the journey, that long journey, circuitous journey to the Promised Land, when Moses wanted to talk to God, he set up a tent outside the, uh, the camp. And there he went to meet God. Do you recall that? Exodus 33. I'll just read a little verse or two to illustrate it. It was called the tent of meeting, logically enough. Now Moses used to take a tent 
and pitch it outside the camp some distance away called the Tent of Meeting. And anyone inquiring of the Lord would go to the Tent of Meeting outside the camp. And whenever Moses went out to the tent, all the people rose and stood at the entrances of their tents, and they watched Moses until he entered the tent. And as he went into the tent, the pillar of cloud would come down and stay at the entrance, while the Lord spoke with Moses. And whenever the people saw the pillar of cloud standing at the entrance of the tent, they all stood and they worshipped, each at the entrance of their own tent. And the Lord would speak to Moses face to face as one speaks to a friend. So if you knew your Old Testament, this verse, the first echo, looks back to the time when God comes amongst us, came amongst us, to first to Moses, and Moses was addressed by God as if he was his friend. This is the way God actually meets us. He treats us as friends. So he pitched his tent. That tent was very special. The, the, the children of Israel were quite wary about going into that tent. Do you remember when God met, uh, Moses met God on, up on the mountain and, and Moses came down and he said, you come on up and meet the Lord. And they said, no, thank you. Would you, you keep doing that and we'll listen to you when you come down. People were fearful, but those who loved God wanted to meet him. And the tent is the place of meeting God where he calls you his friend. And that is all there in that verse. You are his friend. Our humanity, we all have the potential to be God's friend. And the second reason why I think the word to pitch the tent is important is this. The tent, that's the tabernacle. If we move on to the next slide, it is this. The tent is not a house. If you go back into the Old Testament again, there was a long period when the, the, the children of Israel journeyed from being set free in Egypt to the Promised Land. And during that time, they were nomadic, and they, they lived in tents, like the Bedouins still do today. But when they got to, the, to, uh, to Canaan, they then settled. They found the places where they were going to build the villages, or they built on the villages already there, and they moved into houses. So this echo, this resonance, is of the period in the life of the children of Israel when they were following where God led, before they became settled agrarian agriculturists. They were still people on pilgrimage, people following Jesus, we would say. So the tent means it's not anywhere in particular for very long. And if you look at Jesus' life, do you remember he said, there's nowhere to lay my head. I haven't got a home. I don't own a house. And he would move from place to place to place. So by saying he pitches his tent, we're given a picture of the word Jesus coming down amongst us, but he's never here for long. He's off. So the Jesus who's come to us and welcomes us and considers us to be his friend, he's actually saying, we have things to do. I'm on my way. Come on. So the second thing that's important is that we're not settled. We're people on the move. Sorry, and the, th and the third way it cashes out is when Jesus then speaks to us individually. So we've got first the tent reminds us of the tent of meeting where we are friends with God. Secondly, it reminds us that we're people on the move. And thirdly, that explains why Jesus called uh, different people to follow him. 
Jesus never, ever said, would you like to be a Christian? Ever. Jesus said, come, follow me. And if you know the, the Pasolini filmed uh, his version of the Gospel of St. Matthew, and I don't know whether you, you, you might have seen it, it's, it's quite old, but it was, he captured this very well, but, and he portrayed, as, as the, the director, he portrayed Jesus and disciples walking down the road and a crowd coming towards them. And as they crossed, Jesus would say to the crowd, the kingdom of God is at hand. Repent, follow me. And then the interesting thing he did as a, as a director, he said, and Jesus keeps walking. And so he did. So he filmed it like that. So Jesus said, follow me, and then walked on. And people say, what? Now? And you remember that argument about, but I've just got married. I've got a wife. I've got a, a cow. All that sort of stuff, that, the reasons why we weren't going to follow, that Jesus quoted. Because he invites us to follow him. Did you know that the word Christian, which we use so much today, was used in the New Testament by those who are not Christians to describe Christians? They thought, at Antioch, they said that's where they, the disciples were first called Christians. They thought that was a way of summing up who we are. Well, actually, I feel more and more uncomfortable about being called a Christian and more and more comfortable about calling it a follower of Jesus. Because a Christian, that word, is static. It doesn't give you... Where's the liveliness in that? It's like a badge, isn't it? It's just it. I'm a Christian, and I'm English. So? So... It's much more, it's, much, it's nearer to the heart of what we're about to say, I'm a follower of Jesus rather than I'm a Christian. It's dynamic, not static. Um, I've mentioned before that when, when we went up to Bradford, uh, I went up to be the Archdeacon there and met some people in Bradford, and they said, and we've come from Birmingham, they said, oh, why, why have you come to Bradford? Now, Bradford as a city is better now, but when we arrived, it was, uh, was quite depressed, really a lot of the industry, they'd made the mistake of concentrating on the textile industry, and when the bottom fell out of that, the whole city fell over. Birmingham actually multi, had multi-streams of uh, the economy, which actually kept it going. But Bradford, it was, it, was, it was extraordinary. The people who visited, like myself, actually saw the hope in Bradford, but people who lived in Bradford at that time could only see grimness. And they said to me, why have you come to Bradford? And I said... Because Jesus asked me to. And some would say, oh yes, of course, he's a vicar, you know. He does that sort of thing. Jesus doesn't, all vicars say that sort of thing anyway. And that, to me, is actually who we are. We are people who are invited to follow Jesus. And Jesus comes to us, and on this Christmas morning, he comes to us afresh. And he looks us in the eyes and says, you are my friend, come follow me. And then he goes on. You can't be an armchair Christian. You can't sit there and say, well, thank you, Lord, that's lovely. I just, I'm just so grateful for all the things you give to me. To make. You've given me forgiveness of sin. You've given me a sort of direction in life. You've, you've given me a new community, a church family. All of those are true, but it's not the heart of the matter. The heart of the matter that Jesus is at work. He's doing things, and he invites us to travel with him and get involved, to make a difference. And I think that's why young people are drawn to Jesus. Not because they want peace, though some might, not because they want forgiveness, because some might, but because here is somebody in whom they see God coming to them, calling him friends and saying, now we're going to make things different in this world. And, and I have to say, I think that's, I spend my time now speaking with, um, talking to young people who are exploring being called to the ministry. And that's where I ask them, you know, 
and I imagine, when I'm meeting them, I say, can I imagine this person making a difference? Because Jesus wants that for us. And so all of that is captured by that one Greek word. He pitched his tent amongst us. I'm very sorry, if you're a Christian, camping is part of the deal. You can't get out of it. But it's camping with Jesus, moving on. And so now we stand at the end of one year and the beginning of the next. And so I encourage you, as I will in the prayers in a moment, to give thanks for the way the Lord has led you through last year and to commit to him the year ahead. And to say, Lord, with your help, I am at your disposal all over again. My experience of working with Christians is that um, we have moments when we're really clear about our commitment and then other longer periods often where we just trot along, really. You know, just routine a bit. But I think the Lord wants more for us than routine. And so, Lord, we're here. When you say, come follow, with your help, we'll have a new go at that. Fair? Okay. I see some nods and some... I think some are still worried about the camping, so I, I apologize about that. So let us just pray together now as we sit. First, a time of quiet. Lord Jesus, by your Spirit, please make real to us what you wish to say to us now. Thank you, Lord, for the way you have led us through the last 12 months. Thank you for the way you have been with us when life has been difficult and challenging, sometimes grim. Thank you, Lord, when you've led us to high places where we've been with you and sensed your presence afresh. Thank you, Lord, when you've been patient with us, when we've become just caught up in our own affairs our own small, modest distractions. Thank you, Lord, when we, with your strength, by the Spirit, have been able to be the fragrance of Christ when people argue and fall out. We have been bridge builders Thank you, Lord, when you've led us to people who are also inquiring about what is this life about? Why has it been given us?
Thank you, Lord, when we see people start out as new followers of Jesus, for whom it's all fresh and exciting. Thank you, Lord, as we look forward that we just need to keep in step with you wherever you lead us. Lord, we ask that you'll help us to recognize the leading of your Holy Spirit, the nudges, the words, the pictures, the hunches. We'll discern when it is you who address us. Thank you, Lord, for this church in this place. We pray that you will continue to lead us and lead to us the next minister of your choice. Thank you, Lord. The future is in your hands, that you are never taken by surprise by events. Thank you. Do you call us your friends? Lord Jesus, thank you so much for coming to us and calling us out of darkness into light. We look forward to journeying with you into the new year. And we thank you for the privilege of being your friend and having you to lead us. Merciful Father, accept these prayers for the sake of your Son, our Saviour, Jesus Christ. Amen. Because it's a short service, there isn't time to do this, but I, what I wanted really to do was to ask people now to say, what, what do you want to give thanks for? Because so often, I don't know if you've noticed in our church services, and it may be time, it may be conventional habit, we move into a set intercession before we stop and say, well, we've prayed and the Lord has acted, but we don't have time to tell how the Lord has acted and made a difference. 